Hi, and welcome to the Filmmaker Toolkit Podcast. I'm Chris O'Fault, Deputy Editor of Film and TV Craft here at IndieWire. And my guest today is In the Heights director, John Chu. And this season of the Toolkit is being presented by HBO Max. The HBO original film, Oslo, is adapted from the Tony Award-winning play of the same name. Oslo is based on the true story of negotiations between enemies that led to the 1993 Oslo Peace Accords. It's starring Ruth Wilson as Mona Jule, a Norwegian foreign minister, and Andrew Scott as Tarhe Rod Larsen, a Norwegian sociologist and Mona's husband. The film details the secret back-channel talks, unlikely friendships, and quiet heroics of a small but committed group of Israelis, Palestinians, and one Norwegian couple. It's for your Emmy consideration for outstanding television movie and all other categories, and it's now streaming on HBO Max. And uh, yeah, before we jump into my conversation with John, I would like to disclose that I had immediate family who worked on In the Heights and who worked closely with John, although he didn't know that at the time of this interview. Thank God for different last names. And hey, look, there's plenty of movies my wife works on that I don't write about and cover, um, but I really love this one and I was anxious to talk to John about it. And so, um, but I want to be upfront about it and uh, disclose that uh, I, I suppose I do have a conflict of interest here. Um, but I do love this movie, and I um, I thought this was a great conversation. This is a property that's been around for a really long time. Um, I, I went to Wesleyan; it was back when I was there twenty. Wow. You know, no, twenty. Okay. You know, you know, I, you know. That's how long this thing's been around. Um, and it had different iterations. At some point, I know I, my. I know you and Lynn ended up working very closely together. But at some point. Yeah. You had to go out, you had to walk into a room and say, I'm the guy to direct this and here's how I'm going to do it. I'm wondering, you know, what was that original kind of like, this is, this is how John Chu is going to adapt your musical. And maybe it was Warner Brothers and Lynn, everybody. I don't know. Yeah. No, it was, it was definitely with Lynn. Uh, and I was very nervous. Um, I had pitched to the producer, so they knew my vision, but I had not pitched to the guy who created the whole show, which is always nerve wracking. He was in the middle of Hamilton. So his hair was Alexander Hamilton hair, if you can imagine that. We're at a cafe before his show and I sit down and I meet the guy and he couldn't be more warm, but I was nervous as hell, of course. Um, and, uh, you know, for me, when I pitch, I bring images, I, br- I put it in like a keynote, I bring music, I bring a lot of different things. And, but for him, I, I wasn't quite sure, you know, you don't know, you don't want to paint too heavy of a picture for someone who created the thing, at least not at first, you got to ease them into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I talked about my connection with the material. I, I talked to him about watching it on Broadway for the first time. Uh, when I was making my first movie, Step Up to the Streets, one of our dancers was in the cast. So I went to go see it. And I remember feeling so overwhelmed with emotion about the connection to my own immigrant family. Um, I'm not from Washington Heights. I'm not Latino. Uh, I'm a Chinese family. I grew up in a Chinese restaurant in the Bay Area. And, but yet, I knew what it felt like to have aunties and uncles raise you. I knew what the, the weight of the family who came here to America and put it in your lap and you didn't know what to do with it. I knew that conflict. I knew that struggle. I also knew what, who my abuela Claudia was. In my, in my life, it was my boo-boo who taught me how to make wontons on the, t- on the kitchen table, who would do the books for the restaurant every night on an abacus. So the sounds of that were embedded in me. And it, and it moved me that he was speaking, he could say the things that I never could say in my own story. And I just loved it, not knowing that I'd ever be able to, to make the movie. 10 years later, I'm sitting with him at this cafe and um, I'm telling him about the story and I'm pitching him about 
I know what it feels like to have big dreams, to have dreams in your bedroom when nobody's watching and it feels like the walls just want to burst open and how I wanted to take uh, his musical and make those songs come from that place, that yearning, that daring to dream, that daring to break out. Um, and yet in the space that we all knew, which was home, um, mm -hmm. that it would, all these dreams would not cut to somewhere else in the world that they were, were dreaming to go to, but instead Washington Heights would almost be like a, a art installation on the streets of Washington Heights. The, the, the streets would pave into whatever they dreamed of or the walls would change into it. So that was, that was the big pitch that I think he bought into. You know, there's obviously the cinema element here, but I'm, I'm curious, even just from a book standpoint, you know, something that was so specifically written for the stage. And you obviously had a, a vision in terms of movement and color and the sense of the streets. I'm wondering, though, how much of the book needed to be adapted and uh, mm -hmm. um, to think about it in terms of the cinema that you wanted to apply to it. And I'm wondering if you can even talk about, like, is there specific things? Because there is that element of, like, breaking into song. You break into song in a different way yeah. in a movie that you do in stage. We had a lot of discussions about that. And the key to it all was Kiara, who wrote the original book but was also a screenwriter. And, and he trusted her immensely. And so she trusted. We gained a great close relationship because they were neighbors. They grew up there both in Washington Heights. Uh, and so... Uh, he put it in our hands and he's a cinephile as well. So he understands uh, the director's role. He understands mm -hmm. uh, that the form of cinema is different, that you can be both 10,000 feet away, which you can't in a, in a theater, and you can be two inches away from somebody's face. And just the way their eye twitches changes the way you believe whether they're believe what they're saying or know that they're lying and covering it up. Mm -hmm. And so that nuance is something that we really wanted to put in the movie. Um, so the first thing we had to do was break down uh, why song and dance, which you don't always have to have an answer to, but the moment she said the streets were made of music, I knew that uh, that would allow us to go anywhere that we wanted to in terms of the fantasy mm -hmm. of when, you're, when they're dreaming and yearning. And I really wanted to be able to go there. So this idea of telling a story to these kids on the beach was very important. It allowed us to have all the room in the world. I had just had a daughter. I had a daughter two weeks after finishing Crazy Rich Asians. And so my whole life has been storytelling. And I realized that the most important story I was about to tell was the story of the world to my kids um, and to her and, and that they were then gonna tell on that story. So that, that was a big thing that changed in the form of turning into a movie. The other thing was, minimizing the amount of, it was really a portrait, um, a snapshot, slice of life on stage. But movies, you really get the opportunity to be in someone's perspective. You really get to be as granular as you can be. And music also has the opportunity to be super granular and not just big performances. And dance, which I have had a lot of experience and had the opportunity to be as small as possible. So we really wanted to give room for the smallness and the intimacy of that, which means the big dramatic moments of the bodega on fire and the things where it just felt too much. Like the conflict was always gonna be inside. So Kiara and I talked a lot about breaking that down and really simplifying. This is from Usnavi's point of view. This is him telling the story to these kids and, um, and every character was gonna have their own language of movement, song and dance and visual style. And so if it's Vanessa and she's frustrated and she can't uh, show her emotions at her work in the salon, we cut to her running down the street as fast as she can, trying to get out, and yet she's not going anywhere. But she wouldn't cry, so instead, fabric 
pours down the side of these buildings like they're her tears because that's how she sees the world. But she's not going to cry. And then at the moment later, she passes us. We even hear the sound of a, of a, of a jet plane flying over us. And we pull out and we're just in her iris and she hasn't gone anywhere. And to me, that was the most important thing that cinema can bring to this story was how it actually feels to feel trapped and want more that you can't do anything about at that moment. Um, and so we just looked at all those opportunities. So by simplifying it, we were able to give it uh, those opportunities to stretch. I rewatched it uh, this morning and, um, you know, it's I guess it's around the 10 minute mark, at least in my screener, where you know, uh, Anthony Ramos walks out and the streets like break into a full on, full yeah. on dance number, which, which that stuff you're amazing at and have done many times before. But it's interesting that 10 minutes, because that idea of the streets breaking into song, that sounds great. Yes. But I rewatching it. It's really careful how you slowly build this. And I, you know, I, I wonder if you talk, it's an amazing yeah. opening number, tons of character, great music, but it's like three things I noticed is one is you got the streets kind of, starting to become music. You've yeah. got that reflection shot of Anthony in the window yeah. and seeing the dancing before we do it. And, and yeah. then, and then um, a, a really interesting, these cutaways to what I assume is almost like uh, real Washington Heights people living their lives. That's true, and, yeah. And, and, and then he breaks into it. I'm curious though, that's an interesting balance. I'm wondering if you talk about that because I imagine it's one thing to have that concept of breaking in the streets breaking the dance, but how one actually does that is, yeah. is, is kind of not only tricky, but it's also so some degree how you define your, your movie. Yeah. We knew that that was going to define the rules for our whole, our whole film of where we could go. And, um, and when we say the streets are made of music, it was yes, literally music, but also life. The streets are made of life. The streets are made of people, uh, working hard for their families, for themselves, for their country in a way, um, that they were the building blocks of what America is and um, in the most Americano way. Uh, and so, uh, and maybe what hasn't been presented as the most Americano way, but that's, that's reality. That's New York City. That's this community. So when we looked at that, um, we did. We knew that we had to ease the audience into this, and, and in a way that the stage show has big openings. It's very sing to the stars, so it has big openings and big closings. We had to deconstruct a lot of that and say, pick one or don't have any of them, and let's ease in. And we have to ebb and flow between dialogue and music as if it's the same thought, but not the same medium. Um, it's not a performance. This is just the way of life it is in Washington Heights. And so we ease into that. He's telling the story. He starts with um, his knocking on the, on the bench um, and that grows. And we've seen tons of musicals that grow from sounds of the city. Like that's a trope. But in this yeah. one, we were gonna have, what are the sounds of a city, of a real city there? Um, and have, you know, it wasn't gonna be too uh, high school musical with the spraying of the, of, of the hose at the beginning that we wanted to be the clave beat, which are the building blocks for Latin music. And it was gonna be the rickety, uh, f uh, rusty uh, gate that he closes and locks. And it's gonna be uh, the, the giant rolling doors for his bodega that are gonna be the sounds. And then we do one thing in there that shows that we're gonna go far, but we're not gonna go there yet, is when he steps on the manhole cover and it's, and it's a record scratch. And he sort of scratches it like a DJ and he keeps going. I mean, it's the most surreal moment of that whole opening, uh, uh, opening number, but, it, but we're not gonna go there yet. We just say, we're gonna earn your 
we're gonna earn your trust that we can, we're allowed to go there. Uh, and so it's coming, so be prepared. But uh, we're gonna get there when we actually have earned it. Um, so we give a little hint and then we go. And then we mix it with real life people. That's a real custodian who's mopping the floor. Somebody we met while we were scouting the location. Um, and he had all the keys to the apartments that we were looking at. And we we're like, hey, do you wanna be in a movie? He's like, oh, I don't watch movies. I'm like, okay, but do you want to be in a movie? Your, your friends might like it. And he's like, cool. I was like, where do you sit to like think about things? He's like, I sit right here. I'm like, okay, look out the window. And that moment is so emotional for me when I look at it. When you see the people who work at the tire store opening their store, for, that's really them doing that. Um, and so that we definitely, it was all very conscious of how much, how much we give um, all the way to the last shot where they're not doing a big Broadway number, um, they're doing a, 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 a giant Latin-styled um, spirited dance um, that is not the typical salsa that you see. It's much more raw. It's much more uh, evocative of, um, of just fighting through things. And instead of opening up from one character and seeing the whole street by the end, we do the opposite. We see the whole street and say to the audience, we could pick any of these people and they have a great, amazing story. But we're gonna pick this one dude who owns this one bodega on the corner that you probably pass by every day and don't pay one attention to, and his struggles, his dreams, his hopes, his family, all this stuff is more important and as big as any hero of a, of, of a Hollywood film ever before. Um, and I love that we get to do that in this opening number and just set up the audience like, Hold on to your butts. Uh, you're about to go on a ride. I'm curious because so much of this was shot in Washington Heights, or even I have a feeling even some of the sets that you built were to mirror real locations, even if you had to yeah. go inside. Because um, it doesn't, you're not, you're not feeling like soundstage, even though when I'm sure you had to be for certain things. I'm curious about what those conversations were like. And I'm specifically thinking about Nelson and Alice here, mm-hmm. you know, that idea of like, okay, we're going to shoot in at Washington Heights, but at the same time, you know, and I am going to mix in the guy in the tire shop. I am going to mix in this thing. But that idea of like a color palette and a sense of like a balance, right? Because that of how much stylized, how much heightened, and yeah. then also where to keep Washington Heights, you know, photographically real. I, I'm wondering what that balance was. I'm specifically thinking in terms of cinematography and yeah. And, yeah. and production design. Yeah, I, I would say I, I was really lucky to be working with this team. And, and Alice, for instance, I've worked with since I was in college. Uh, mm-hmm. And she was the hot shot in college. And her style has always been um, just, I don't know the way to say it, but just, but just truthful in the way she captures things. And um, there's always um, that sort of atmosphere. It sort of feels like a dusty record that's been there. It's lived in. And so we definitely, when we first started talking about a musical, that what if, what, what, how does a musical feel if it feels like it's just here, just right around the corner, that it's not big, giant, stagey lights, um, and that the, even the way we shoot it isn't uh, big, sweeping, uh, tech, uh, you know, uh, technocrane shots of this stuff. Maybe we go there sometimes, but most of it not. And so, and she really embraced that. And, um, and I think for all of us, it, it, we got to know the neighborhood and the neighborhood dictated this. The neighborhood wasn't just a character in the movie. Mm-hmm. It became a co-writer for the movie. It became a co-collaborator for the movie. And I feel... Can I, can I actually ne- say, yeah. can I say something? Yeah. I, I, around the time that you were shooting, I went to a city council meeting as a reporter and all these councilmen are, were like trying to shut down all these productions being pissed off. Mm-hmm. And the councilman from Washington Heights 
told them all to screw off and he talked about your movie and he talked about Lynn mm. and he talked about embracing the community and how the community became part of the movie. And now that I've seen it, I can kind of feel that sense. I mean, you have a lot of extras mm -hmm. and whatnot, but you can feel the, to a certain degree, this isn't one of those like, yeah, you have to shut shit down, you know, <laughs> and I'm yeah, sure there were yeah. people inconvenienced. I'm not, let's not pretend it was like a documentary here, but I mean, yes. it does feel like that, 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 and maybe that was Lynn and I saw stuff on YouTube of him, like getting everybody excited, but it yeah. feels like that was an ethos of this project of being in the community, which is by the which sounds nice to people, but honestly, you go into New York City and try to shoot a movie like this. It's, you know, it's not kind to people. <laughs> not that crazy. is true. That is true. Yeah, I mean, it was, it sounds like a marketing thing when you say, oh, the, the city was part of our character in the yeah. movie. But this really was, I mean, he lives there. So we really couldn't piss people off. He's our boss. So I really can't just do whatever. Uh, Kiara also mm -hmm. lives there. And we had many meetings with the council members over there. We, def we, we, we didn't have catering. We gave people money to go... Uh, eat at the local restaurants instead. And so you got to know the community. And by the way, the community is not moving. They're sitting there watching you do it. So if you mm -hmm. piss them off, you're not shooting there the next day because they're going to be blasting music and you can't do anything about right. it. Uh, so we, we definitely, there was a relationship there and they were part of our movie. They were in the background of our movie. Some were dancers in our movie. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, they embraced us. They embraced us so much that I named my son Heights after being there. Um, seeing how they took care of each other there, seeing what you dream about when you look out your window. I wanted my son to hear that word every day. Um, even my mom, I, I tell this story, but I, my mom was there uh, on a day and we were shooting in the streets. I said, mom, stay here. Do not go anywhere, please. I cannot be worrying about you. So I go <laughs> shoot and I come back and she's gone. I'm like, oh no. And I, and I look upstairs and she's out a window with the neighbors drinking beer. Uh, and so they're just having a great old time. They're like, oh, we saw your mom sitting there. She looks so lonely. So we invited her up. I was like, that's Washington Heights for you. I, I apologize. You were talking about uh, uh, Alison Nelson and turning this yeah. to, to your musical. I, I wanted to throw that story out there because you, you touched upon it. But please go. No, it's great. And, 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 and Nelson, again, he... Uh, these are all storytellers and I tell them very, very, and the, the only reason I, I love to work with them is not, they're not just amazing craftsmen and women. Mm. Uh, they tell their own story and I try to get out of the way as much as possible. And mm. I explain to them what we're trying to do and they, um, and they love what they do. Nelson is the most uh, loving, giving, smartest guy I know. You could ask him about a tree anywhere and he's like, oh yeah, that's from 1973 and that came over here when the Spaniards brought it over. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But, um, but he, and, and, the, and the ethos for that was show history. Show history. Show that this was not just um, a Latino community. This was also an Irish community before that. And before that, it was a Jewish community. Like this is, uh, Lynn often says this, but this, this is where American stories starts. And we loved that idea that, um, and yet we didn't want to give too specific a time period. We wanted it to be now-ish, mm -hmm. but we wanted to be able to survive future things. So, so, you know, even there's a lot of neon and white in that neighborhood. So we, sometimes we had to uh, give a little bit of more age to that, to, to dust them down. But, um, and when we went into, we, we, mo we shot most of it on Washington Heights, in Washington Heights. The only things that, the interiors that didn't work for us was the interior of the bodega was just too small. The, there's a real bodega there. We built, a, uh, we built like different colors for the facade of it. But mm -hmm. really the, the interior of it was 
a closet. So we had to build that out um, yeah, on a yeah. stage. Yeah. And then the salon as well was a full on facade. Sure. Um, sure. But the car service place, all the apartments, we do a number champagne where uh, the two lead characters sing together live. That's three minutes long in a real apartment where our, um, where our, uh, where our steady cam guy has nowhere to go. Our lighting has nowhere to go. It's all <laughs> hidden. Um, we have a pianist outside on the street where they have earwigs in their uh-huh. ears so they can hear. So their pace can, the actor's pace can change, ebb and flow, how they feel, go from dialogue into music back out. Um, and so Alice had to figure out all the technical stuff, but also the story stuff. Um, uh, same with Nelson and same with our choreographer, Chris Scott, mm-hmm. who really had to like, figure out how, where everyone was going. And then also um, uh, costumes and with Mitchell Travers. So everyone, that just shows, the, it was the epitome of that everyone on this was storytelling and everyone had to bring their shit to the table. Then we're gonna take a brief pause for a message from our presenting sponsor, HBO's original limited series, I May Destroy You, starring Michaela Cole is set in London where graphication is only an app away. The story centers on Arabella, who's played by the creator of the series, Michaela Cole, a carefree, self-assured Londoner with a group of great friends, a boyfriend in Italy, and a burgeoning writing career. But when her drink is spiked, she must question and rebuild every element of her life. It's four-year Emmy consideration for Outstanding Limited Series and all other categories. All episodes are now streaming on HBO Max. And I'd add that I had a great discussion with the I May Destroy You director, Sam Miller, and uh, costume designer, Lindsay Moore, a few weeks ago, um, just a couple episodes back in the archives of this podcast. Uh, I highly recommend going back and giving that a listen, uh, because this this really is one of the best pieces of television ever made, not just this year, but ever. It's uh, it's really a remarkable work. Um, And now, uh, more for uh, my conversation about In the Heights with John Chu. Can we talk about because um, it made me, it, the the scene of dancing on the the side of the building? <laughs> yeah, that idea of where that came from, and also the execution of that. Well, Chris and I were sitting, um, I don't remember where, in my apartment one day, thinking about this number. And throughout, we had been challenging ourselves: how does it feel to be in the emotion that our characters are in? Because that's what's going to lead, not dance numbers, but what does it feel like to be in love? And we kept going back to that sort of Warner Brothers cartoon idea of flying, of, 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 of lifting up when you, you know, when you see, um, you know, those, those characters like float off the ground when they kiss somebody. And so I was, we kept thinking like, do, do they lose gravity? Do they think? And then we started, thought about a royal wedding. Uh, and many people have done the royal wedding nod, the Fred Astaire uh, uh, dancing inside the room on the rooftop, and, and no one does it better than him. So we didn't want to compete with that anyway, but it did feel like when you're saying goodbye to uh, the love of your life and not knowing where that may lead, sometimes you just want to be present and the rules of the world go away and float away. And this idea that we could turn a building on its side, do it not just inside, like we're a wedding, but outside. And that these, these buildings that you walk by every day with these fire escapes could become benches. And, that, and the brick wall that, uh, you pa- that has graffiti on it could turn into a ballroom floor. And a glass and the windows would turn into a see-through glass. Like to us, that was like the most beautiful way to honor uh, this neighborhood. And so we just started playing with it. Of course, when we pitched it to everyone, everyone was like, what? Uh, we knew we, that actually started the conversation of how do you earn your way to allow yourself to go there? 
Um, and then we started to get to logistics of how do you turn? And I had just done a magic movie, so I know that uh, magic only works when you see it in real time. It's like when you see it on TikTok or you see it on YouTube, that's when it works. Um, and so we knew we had to do as practical as we can. So that first minute and a half is there's no cuts. It turns and we get to see the gravity shift in them. Because if the moment we cut, people call bullshit. It doesn't matter. It's not a magic trick anymore. It's mm -hmm. just, it's just, we just, it's a movie trick. So he had to choreograph according to gravity's changing and credit to the actors. There was no dance doubles. There was no CG people. They had to learn how to change their, and they're, and they're not professional dancers either. It's just the two of them and they've got to learn how to shift their weight um, and change. And then the last two minutes of the number or last minute and a half of the number where they uh, are dancing and then they slide down the side of the building. That's all, no cuts either. So, and we just had this piece of the building that we built that folds down and clicks into the floor, which is the building. Um, and uh, so that was, it, it was probably the most expensive piece that we had in our movie, but uh, the most risky, but uh, everyone was down. It feels to me when you talk about, well, I, I should say it's not it's from watching the movie and now listening to you talk about, you know, shoot in Washington Heights, but break through the walls, break and, and all these things. It feels to me after watching that movie that so much of how you saw this was movement. Yes, there's music. Yes, there's song. But it feels to me like in terms of what you wanted to do with these these songs and these stories, it, it feels like and even just listening to you talk about the dancing on the the, the soft mm -hmm. shoe on the building, it feels to me that that's a, that's almost like a guiding force to you is a sense of movement and pace in, with the mm -hmm. cameras. Is that is that true? Yeah, I would say movement is my native tongue. It's uh, mm. I don't I I don't I'm not a dancer, uh, but they were the ones that when I wanted to make movies when I was in a student, they were my friends, and so they're the only ones who wanted to dance. And I just adore dancers. I think they speak a language that I wish I could speak. Uh, they can express things that I wish I could express. And when I and they're telling poetry, they're telling the story of themselves in every move, especially street dancers. They're not trained in this stuff. They didn't go to Juilliard. They mm -hmm. didn't go uh, to ballet class every day. This is stuff came out of a necessity of expression. So it comes from such a pure source. And when they're doing a music video, they use that to like dabble it on. But like when we get to go to the source, um, and that's why I love Chris Scott, because he taught me this. He introduced me to these dancers. He brought me to their houses. This is, year, this is a decade ago. He brought me to their, uh, to their competitions. He brought me mm -hmm. to their battles. I just learned to love them so much and, and knew they had so much to give. But in a commercial, you can't write for that. You have to actually reverse engineer for that. So in a way, I got to know them. And then this movie came along. And then I was like, oh, that's why the B-Boys wear the Puerto Rican flag uh, on, their, on, on their shorts. Oh, that's why it's on their jersey. And it just clicked for me that I, I didn't know this side to my friends that I should have known all along. And I'm going to make sure that we get it, that the audience gets what I see right now. Okay. We got, I've just a quick last one here because you do have to go. But I am, there's something here about... You see this movie and it's big and each number to be honest with you it keeps getting bigger the pool and then before you know it you're dancing on the side of a building and i think one of the things that's hard for people to understand with something like this is is i'm sure you had some money but you did mr spielberg was a few blocks over and i'm sure he had three times as much to dance in the streets <laughs> you know and I, there's an element here and, and i say this after watching crazy rich asians too where it's like it feels to me like you're always pushing up against 
this making it bigger and bigger and bigger because this isn't a huge it is a huge movie but i don't think this budget at least for like below the line was that big and that sense of and you could i could feel you as a director make keep trying to make this bigger than it than it is 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 that is that was that kind of the ethos of this project to a certain degree yeah i think that they kept calling a on the street musical and i kept saying that that's not what we're doing guys it's (laughs) sure we're amongst the streets but this is about dreams this is about hope this is about aspiration and we want the audience to feel that we want the audience to look up to the guy who owns the bodega. We want them to look up to the family that's working hard to keep their family afloat. We want them to look up to the custodian that works every day because they care about each other enough to do that. that and, and the way to do that is, is to make people's jaw drop. And you've got to speak in that language and how it feels. And so that was, yes, I'm, we're always pushing up again. I can't wait for the day where they just, Give me all the money we need, and we get to do it. But um, but this was but we knew we were we were breaking new ground here. So uh, uh, everyone made it work, and everyone figured it out. It it actually like it pressed us to work harder, to be more creative, to to really question why why are we spending all this money on a turning building? Because mm-hmm. we want to show that uh, Fred and Ginger could have been Corey and Leslie back then if they were allowed to. They could yeah. they could have been, but we we didn't allow that. Um, and, and, and then, and you could flip it to the next number in champagne and we could be as raw as live vocals in a room and they can mm-hmm. also pull your heart out. And then we can flip it to a, uh, a pool, a giant pool. And guess what? People don't have to be, uh, all in matchy matchy outfits. Instead, they can be in all their different styles with their tattoos and their piercings, ballet and sneakers, and it's going to be all right. And your, your jaws will be on the floor and you will be left breathless as much as you when you see a ballet in New York City. That's what we want to feel, that these colors, these people of all shapes, sizes and ages are worthy of a giant musical treatment. One gets the feeling, John, that a lot of production people had their jaws on the floor too, probably visiting locations with you and going, we're doing what? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of calming people down. That's, that's the thing. Uh, well, thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Appreciate it. Congratulations on the movie. Oh, I'm going to say one more. I'm going to say one more shout out because this is important. Yep. The editing. Mayan Kirstein, he's a freaking rock star. And all the things that you're talking about, all the nuance of coming in and out of mm. musical numbers, uh, is is you know is in the edit is in us having these conversations over and over again and um, sometimes that can be ignored in in these conversations because it's not seen because the other thing is because the other thing is is people hear john shu has a vision and he goes around with his ipad and shows people the movement and things like that but that doesn't mean right like we were talking about that opening number that doesn't mean that even though you saw these ideas once you actually put them together it's it's not it's not Legos, you know, and it, it, no it's way. reinventing it. If you saw our first assembly of this, you would then appreciate the work that Myron has done on this. Mm-hmm. And it is a amazing collaboration. He, I look up to him. I look up to his sensitivity to moments. He finds mm-hmm. these little things that say, you know, we develop a scene in six pages and he finds one moment and we can erase all six pages and we get there and the audience feels it way more. Um, he has that eye. He has that empathy uh, that even I don't have. I need to let you go. I promised ID I'd let you go. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Take care, John. Appreciate you. Bye.